Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for 24, that television show with the beeps in it. Not the swearing beeps, the ticking clock, because that's what it does. We are up to episode 20 of season 4. 420, everyone. 420. Uh, first there, that's a drug joke, Colin. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> 2 a.m. to 3 a.m. <laughs> Aired on the 2nd of May, 2005, directed by Brian Spicer and written by Peter Lenkov. And this is a, a an amazing episode, one of the most iconic episodes in the history of 24. Hence why it is 420, because apparently you can be stoned. Well, watch, I don't know where I'm going with that, Ben, and you're not cool enough to make drug jokes. My name is Ben, and I hope I'm not some kind of psychopath. My name is Colin, the woman who you're living with. <laughs> the woman. Oh, uh, I thought you might have gone for the psychopath, but then I realized that I was thinking about it. I'm hosting, so I get to choose. <laughs> um, this episode is amazing. And uh, obviously the ending is one of the greatest moments in this entire show in terms of big moments, acting, everything else along those lines. But just in general, this episode is, I mean, Kiva Sutherland is on form. A couple of weeks ago, we were talking about it. even Kiva was phoning it in, but no, God, no. This He woke up. He was like, I'm Kiva Sutherland. I don't phone shit in for more than once in my life. So he came out with a bang in this one. Kim Raver's on form in this episode. The Oz Network's Francois Chow's in form in this episode. Dennis Haysbert, he's a bit of a dick Ooh. this episode, but he's, you know, what a man. Um, that woman who Tony lives with calls up. Um, <laughs> Jen. <laughs> Chloe shot someone last week, remember? They want you to forget about that pretty quickly. Uh, Curtis is on fire this week in terms of being Mr. Captain Obvious. But I also think that this might be the most important single episode in all of 24 history because this episode, in terms of what is to come for the rest of this series, and we're not even halfway through this show yet, is maybe the most important. I mean, you'd argue Terry dying is pretty important for Jack, but... After a while, I don't want to say Jack forgets about it, but like it's kind of not something that is a key plot point after, you know, a certain couple of seasons. It gets brought up every now and then. But the ramifications, if you were to do a, a map, like a family tree of plot points of 24, and if there's one episode that sets this show on a course of a different direction, I mean, major characters die because of this episode. Jack goes on holiday to Russia and China a couple of times because of this episode. We'll just call it a holiday. Uh, like there, there's lots of things that occur because of this episode and it's uh it's a it's a big turning point for this show episode 20 of season four yeah i think you mentioned last week is three out of the next four seasons will um have some type of direct tie to 
just the events that happen in this one episode. And I, I think what's so interesting about this is that when you, we watched this episode the first time, we didn't know how important all that background stuff would be. And you finish this episode feeling like, wow, we just got Chappelle, you know, like this is our <laughs> Chappelle moment of the season. It's all about that cliffhanger. You got Chappelle. You got Chappelle. <laughs> you did. But uh, that's what you walk away from this feeling like the first time. And then as every season passes, you, you, you have to actually go back to even remember where it started. Cause it's not like this episode goes out of the way to be like, Oh, and some of the stuff that happened there at the, the Chinese embassy. Yeah. That's going to have some ramifications. Uh, so I think this is an episode that is to be more appreciated the more you watch 24. So if anybody's watching along with us and they haven't seen the future seasons, I mean, bookmark this moment because the, the stuff in the middle of this episode matters even more than what happens at the end. And the stuff at the end, wow, is that going to have ramifications specifically for Jack? It's And it's hard. I want to talk about certain things that happen with this, but I mean, let's just say we're five episodes away, uh, premiere of season five of, of a couple of major points that come from this episode. And even you know like in long long term sort of when they bring this back for live another day you know a key plot point for that whole season is basically based on this you know we haven't met sort of the main character the sort of you'd almost argue the big bad of 24 almost comes from this storyline because he's the most consistent villain over the course of the the nine ten seasons of this show but it's kind of like i don't obviously you know i know we tow that line of spoiling and not spoiling from time to time but yeah, I, I, I remember watching this episode live and just being blown away by the ending. And I've got to say, on paper, the the ending is so soap opery. It's so mm-hmm. over the top. If you were to write cliche American TV show network ending 20, 2005, it would be this. I feel like this is almost like a parody that would be on Saturday Night Live, but... It's Let's just, have Noah pop it into his little AI thing and see what it comes out with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's it's just so goddamn, like, cheesy, but it's so good. Like, it's just mm-hmm. the acting saves. It's like if this was on, like, CSI or Without a Trace or whatever was big in 2005, you'd probably be like, oh, yeah, that was the one. Blue Bloods, like, you know, yeah, that was that storyline. <laughs> and you'd move on. But, like, because this is so serialized and so connected, it's just everything. And, like... This is going back to what we said a lot about this season about the Audrey Jack Paul storyline, which again, it's in hindsight, oh, it's cheesy, it's so proper, but it works so well to this moment. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's just so much of it that just works. And I think, as I always say with Jack and Audrey, I'm a Jack and Audrey shipper. Outside of of Terry, he, he never gets that level. And not even with Renee. Renee. Renee's just a romp in the apartment one time before Renee gets something happened to her. So, like, you know, there's build-up there, but this is a legitimate relationship and love and everything. But again, this episode could easily be, as you said, the Chappelle moment, like it's just this moment at the end, but everything else in this episode is just so good. I mean, there's two bits we can probably get over and done with pretty quickly. It's Chloe, Tony, and Michelle. Well, that's three bits, too. <laughs> yeah. CTU. Um, and maybe President Palmer. But even, like, I would say, like, the Palmer storyline, yeah, there's, I mean, I'm not going to, this episode isn't without its faults. There are definitely plot holes we can easily pick apart. But oh, yeah. I think, is this the most presidential Palmer ever is? And he's not even the president. Hands down. Like, and he's still pretty inept at his job, kind of. <laughs> but like, I mean, Dennis Haysbert hits this one out of the park. There's a scene between him and Mike where I'm just like, whoa, Huggy Bear, you bastard, but I love it. <laughs> but like, I don't know, like even that's, I feel like a, an underrated one. Because I mean, technically Palmer's the reason why all this shit happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and he's not even the president. 
We'll get to that in a moment. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, Dennis Haysbert, this might be his best ever episode. Yeah, and it, it's really being free of the Palmer drama. And uh, that's what I think this whole season hits on uh, as far as like the the authority figures removing that personal side plots from them because we had that with season one, two, and three with Palmer. Uh, and it's not going to be the last time we get that with authority figures, but I mean, they definitely steered away from Keeler having outside of his son, any type of family drama. And that was really tied into what happens to him. And even with Logan, we don't get that family drama. We're not going to get it for at least another season. Uh, so having Palmer come in and we don't have to worry about, Oh, what's going on with Sherry this week? Uh, is Keith go and kill anybody else? Uh, Nicole didn't get sexually assaulted again. Did she? You don't have to worry about any of that. Like Palmer's able to do his job. And I'm not saying it was a fault of the first three seasons. Some of that Palmer drama was very good for the show. And more than anything was necessary because otherwise he would have just been some random politician who's there on the line every once in a while. You can't build a major character out of that. So I, I think it's appropriate that we develop Palmer as a relatable character through all the Palmer drama that is maybe take it or leave it sometimes. So that when you get back to him here, he gets to be the president that you've kind of wanted for four seasons. Yeah. And I think, you know, we talked about that with Keeler that really, he, yeah, as you said, he's devoid of family drama except for his shit ass son. But every other. <laughs> but he's dead, so don't worry. Yeah. About it. Suck it. You did. Ha ha. You got chappelled. Um, but I think that, yeah, every other president, like the, the Logan drama around Martha is fantastic. Um, Why did you say that name? <laughs> for the most part, uh, except for season six appearance. We won't get into that. Um, and then President Taylor's family stuff, you get oh, Colm Farrell gets into it. Yeah. We, we get um, old, uh, why have I gone blank in a name, from Popular. Um, I love her. She's great. Uh, of course. Oh, she's the, the one that's not Leslie Bibb. Uh, the dark-haired one. <laughs> you know <laughs> the one her. who is also popular. <laughs> you, you, you know, like the people who've watched Popular would know the two main girls, and it. Leslie Bibb went on to be more famous. But um, Carly Pope is that a name off the top of my head? Carly Pope, yeah. She was on Twenty Four. Yeah, she's uh, like Colm Farrell's like daughter-in-law. She's like the one who's oh, okay. married or is in a relationship with President Taylor's oh, son. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I, now that I see the picture, I recognize yeah, you. Yeah. She's Canadian. Yeah. Well, I think a few people in popular were. Because, yeah, you get President Taylor's son and Colm Farrell's son in Redemption, and then, no spoilers, he's not in Season 7. So uh, that's some of the most, uh, the best stuff of Season 7, I think, is the early stuff around President Taylor and Colm Farrell and Carly Pope and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, um, P President yeah, Palmer, like... I'll get to that in a second. I, I want to get CTU stuff over on because it's so quick. It's Chloe, <laughs> like literally the writers this week, like they've done such a bang up job. And I think just the, the way they've put this together again, it's on paper. Like what if Jack had to save either a random terrorist life or Paul? And then Audrey gets like on paper, like sounds batshit crazy, but it works. But they've also gone, okay, so last week, oh shit, Chloe killed someone. Fuck. Let's forget about that and see if people care. And the answer to that, 18 years later, we don't care. Thank you for just <laughs> pushing that under the rug. I'm not going to sit here and criticise the fact that you just gel over it super quickly because I'm okay with that. Because literally, Chloe's at the scene. There's some medic going, are you okay? I'm fine. I'm the one who killed someone. God, leave me alone. Jack calls up. Hey, Chloe. Good job. Thanks, Jack. How are you doing? I'm fine. Okay. Let's never talk about that again. All right. Gets back to CTU. Edgar, Chloe, are you okay? I'm fine. Oh, I hope oh, I'm not oh, a psychopath. Oh. 
Okay, let's not talk about that ever again. Moving on. Can, can we read the actual dialogue here? Of do, course do you, you can. Please do. you have do. it open? Or do you uh, want me to read the whole thing? I, I want you to, Colin. I feel All like right, I'm going to do it. All right. <clears throat> Edgar, I appreciate your concern. I really do. Just when I shot that guy, I thought I'd go all fetal position. But the truth is, I didn't feel anything at all. I hope I'm not some kind of psychopath. Well, he was trying to kill you. Yeah, but still. Maybe it's a delayed reaction kind of thing. Maybe you'll freak out about it in a couple days. I hope so. <laughs> End story. <laughs> you know the thing I keep forgetting is there's a couple of I want I want to pick up with though. I want day five to be a couple of days later. Just like, my God, I killed a man. In a fatal well, I'm going to go to jail. <laughs> I'm going to hell. I'm going somewhere. Uh, we still actually I keep forgetting that I we still haven't had the best facial expression ever from Kiefer Sutherland, which comes in this season when Chloe asks him something. And he just has this look like I just, ah, oh, it's in a few episodes time, but it's God, it's amazing. But, is yeah. it the facial expression equivalent of, Hey, no, it's, 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 it's better than that. It's a, it's a question of Chloe's asking me for a, like, what? like he's got these like look on his face. It's almost like you're asking if I'm okay. Like what? Like it's, it's, it's incredible. So but, listen, if I've missed my period two months in a row, do you think it's time to take a test? What? Like seriously, that is the face that he gives. Um, but yeah, that's that. Oh, and the other CTU bit, I guess. Uh, so, because you know, we need to have some Tony Michelle drama. It hasn't happened in a while, so it. Let's just not forget that this is like two in the morning. All right. So they're all like chilling, and well, not chilling. I guess they're trying to find a nuclear bomb. And um, Michelle and Tony are just like, oh, looking at files, opening sockets. And then there's like a phone call, like do 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 do. And Michelle's like, oh, that's division. You better answer that, Tony. Okay. Then another phone calls. Hello, this is Michelle Desler. Hi, is Tony Almeida there? Who's calling? The woman he's living with? Like, is that how Jamie, like, if, if you're, like, I don't know, out somewhere and she's finding out where you are, does she, like, ring up, I don't know, Walmart? Hi, Walmart. <laughs> is my husband there? <laughs> Who is this? The woman he's living with? Like, I just want Michelle to be like, doesn't give me much information. Um, You know, like, I know all drama. Like, oh, no, they've got to be in love. But it's just... What's her name? Janet? Jenny? Jen, Jen I think. Like, cause you, I think yeah. you mentioned like 12 hours ago that, oh, does she come back? And I, yeah, she, this is a, this is it for Jen. No, oh, rip Jen. Um, but like, I just thought Michelle's like shocked. Look, oh, I'll pass that on. And then basically hangs up the phone and then she's like to Tony, that's the woman you're living with. To which Tony gets a bit handsy here. Like Tony gets a bit like, like, oh, I want to talk about it. And Michelle's like, no. No, I want to talk about it now. No, it's pins are against the wall. This isn't season two. I want to fuck you with a broken leg. This is a bit like she said no, Tony. Um, but he's all like, I'm a man and I'm going to tell you that I'm not really in love and you left me and I had needs. I have manly needs. And Jen provided me with manly needs. And Michelle's all like, oh, I can provide you with manly needs. And they're all like, ah. Oh. Ah, so what he's saying that uh, this nuclear bomb doesn't go off, that we can maybe go out on a date or something. Why is it whenever there's a nuclear bomb going off in LA, Michelle and Tony get horny? That's uh, that's, that's what really does it for them. Yeah, <laughs> really does. Um, some people like watching beach volleyball. <laughs> some like nukes. And, and I guess the only other bit of CT which kind of ties into later, which was great performance from James Morrison, is sort of you know to tie oh, into wow. the other storyline. Basically, Jack only tells Tony about this operation, the, the Chinese consulate. So which Bill eventually finds out and Bill fucking like rips Tony. And again, this is, I think, where you're meant to not like Bill. But fuck, Bill's great. Even when he's angry and yelling at Tony, I'm kind of on Bill's side here anyway. Like, I mean, yeah. Bill's done nothing wrong. Bill's 
you know, try to hook up with an attractive what? Somebody just, <laughs> somebody just got thrown into my back. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> huh? I just you make the call. I'm not up there with him. I just think calls. You can't I'm like glad to... you're watching it, Remy. Tell your mom to stop throwing things at my head. <laughs> it's, it's All right, it kind of hurt. I appreciate it. I just, I just think Colin out of the corner of his eye just going like, "Ow!" Like it turned red. What was that? It was. It was. Hold on, I'm going to show you with this. I can't even get it here. I, I've lost. I have it. no idea what's happening. It's, right it's Mr. Potato Head's eyes. <laughs> I was trying not to scare you. You were trying not to scare you. Scared everybody. Eyes? You scared Ben. <laughs> I think Jamie just watched the best in a series throwing body parts at Colin. <laughs> Something hits the back of my head and I see two eyeballs glaring up. I mean, no way I'm going to be scared with that. I just love the reaction. It's Mr. Potato Head's eyes. <laughs> and Mr. all that Potato because Head. is Casper allowed his tablet? <laughs> Does she not message you? She messages me sometimes when I'm recording. <laughs> we know the relationship's going well between Colin and Jamie. We're now the only way they can get communicated with each other is by throwing eyes at each other. Holy crap. <laughs> Boom. Um... um yeah, Bill. the bill, the bill scene. Like, just again, I'm all with Bill here. Like, he was kept out of the loop. He's like the director person brought in. He was trying to hook up with like hot Michelle when she's single. She's separated, so he's not doing anything wrong. It's not like he got all rapey or anything. Like, he's a gentleman. Obviously, it didn't work out. So he's a little bit just Team Bill here. I want a T-shirt that says Team Bill because Bill <laughs> has done nothing wrong this season and he's done a very good job. A great scene by James Morrison. That's CTU. Yeah, this is where I feel like they lucked out having James Morrison because when they hire an actor, they don't know how long they're going to be on. I think we even talked about this when we when we had him on. Like They said, okay, you're going to be in for four or five episodes. Who knows about that? I mean, he's past that at this point. And certainly when they hired him, they didn't know you're going to have this one explosive scene. They couldn't have auditioned him because this is a this is outside of the bill that we know even in future seasons. So having an actor like James Morrison who could deliver like this, because I'm going to say this is one of the best performances we've had all season in this one scene from James Morrison yeah, uh, because it's so believable. And I think the fact that you do feel for him, even though maybe you're not supposed to, because they're even saying, oh, we wanted you to have deniability, but it's like, okay, but not anymore. (laughs) How am I supposed to have deniability now? You know, which there's a lot of it. When we get to that, there's a lot of other plot holes, even with that. Oh, there's a big mistake in in writing in this episode around that. Yeah. But uh, I mean, that that is what really saves the CTU stuff is that scene. And it's also between Tony and him because, yeah, we've had that thing about always oh, there's some jealousy between Bill and Tony. But James Morrison doesn't play it like that. Like he plays it like the boss who's already stuck his neck out several times, including him losing deniability on Jack's operation. You know, oh, uh, Jack did that rogue. Sorry, I knew about it and I've already reinstated him. You know, there's already issues with that like. He sells this so well. I mean, the other stuff, the Chloe and Edgar stuff. I mean, it's appropriate for Chloe and Edgar. To, any any other characters on this show, having that conversation would be like, wow, this is bad. But somehow it actually fits them. So yeah. I'm okay with it. Um, but the Tony and Michelle stuff, like this is, th- th- we have really praised the soap opera stuff between Tony and Michelle. But I think they're over it and the audience is over it at this point. I'm not saying they're over, they don't need any more, but. Nobody here is asking, yeah, but what about Jen? You know, <laughs> like, do we care? Because it's not like they established Tony having. In fact, I remember watching this the first time and even rewatching it uh, with her appearance earlier on being like, they could very easily have just played this. Like, this is some woman that he's woman. shacking up with and they, they they have no, you know, actual emotional connection at all. 
So it's not like you need to, I don't feel like anybody in the audience is like, oh, oh, she's going to be heartbroken. Uh, but what, what I find, like, I guess is a little bit of a defense. Oh, Jen. <laughs> Jen does, I guess, explain, I didn't know where to find you. And I figured Jack was here earlier. So I thought I'd start at CTU. And she does say that, like, oh, you're working with Michelle. Like, she obviously knows who Michelle is. So when she answers Michelle Dessler, that's where she's like, uh, you're with your ex, you know? Uh, but it's just the fact that we have not been led to believe that this is anything more than a fling, especially when Tony's smacking her around and telling her, get out of here, go to work. You know, I, I have dog poo to clean up and a soccer game to watch from two, uh, 2001 or whatever. Um, it's not it's not necessary in any way to have this scene other than, oh, we have to find a way to prolong this drama because we we feel like we've settled this a little bit ahead of schedule. Look, I agree with you for the most part, but I, I'm not opposed to a random plot thread that you shouldn't really think about but then you do like it's kind of you go out of your way to over explain something that does I'm, I'm fine with it like i mean because but you want these two to get back together and i think then if they didn't show this you and i would be going like what happened to that woman he was living with we'd be yeah. questioning it so i think kind of like it's just a it's what a 30 second scene my, my biggest question around jen is i've been calling everyone it's been 12 <laughs> hours and you knew she left with a former CTU agent. Who are you been calling? You've gone through your Rolodex, going like, oh, Frank, that one time we met at Walmart. I'm, I'm on board with Walmart today, a proud sponsor of the old <laughs> network. But like, I don't know, like it just, it really took you 12 hours to get to the conclusion she maybe is at CTU? That's, yeah, no, the, the fact that she's calling anybody, I mean, Tony does not, stra- this is again, I, I feel like it's it's just a scene that doesn't work for their characters. Yeah. Because um, you're right, we would be saying, oh, what about her? I mean, that is, it's not, I think the, the casual viewer is not going to care. The diehard viewers are probably going to question that. But if they had maybe even established that there was anything going on between these two or even played the scene differently, and this is obviously me armchair writing this episode, but you have this scene where she calls up and is like, uh, yeah, so you know what? You never cleaned up the front yard, Tony. <laughs> and I'd like to know if you're coming to bed tonight because uh, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of in the mood. I heard nukes <laughs> are going off and you know that gets me going. Like, just, just have it be a casual conversation. Have him be like, I'm working here, okay? You don't have a job. Have them just bickering. Have it match the characters we saw 12 hours ago. And then Michelle can still have her jealous thing and he can be, listen, this girl doesn't mean anything to me, you know? <laughs> Bitches yeah, be you know, crazy, am time. I right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had some fun time, but, you know, nukes are going off and that's our thing. That's not her thing. I mean, thing I'll tell you one thing. She's got great, mm-hmm, but like, woo, yeah. woo, woo, woo. <laughs> I feel like that's more appropriate for Tony and Jen's uh, closure to their storyline. Well, if I know anything about Americans called Jen, it fits in with their character, but I'll uh, leave that to Oz <laughs> Network After Dark on the Patreon episode. Um, I guess we could do the, the, well, the Palmer stuff really connects him, but the thing, I, the, I don't want to say plot hole, but the thing that if you are picking this apart, which is just bullshit. So Logan's all like, oh God, I'm, I'm really bad at my job. Call in that guy from the other opposing party. We touched on that last week. But then, like, he literally, like, Palmer comes in, dun, 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 great music. You know, Sean Callery, on point this episode, by the way, got nominated for an Emmy, a- and Emmy rightfully nominee, yeah. so. Like, the fucking score on this episode is amazing. But we get this great moment. Palmer walks into the White House. G'day, um, Aaron. Aaron's back for his couple of appearances this yeah. season. And he um, has a son. How's your son? I like that. Like, it's kind of a nice little moment. But it's sort of like, I'm in the bunker. Hey, go on, president. Good. Yep. So you're the president. Yep. Sweet. Joe's here. Um. Uh, so I'm really crap at my job. So you can have carte blanche power. I'm just going to go into the briefing room and write a press statement. So like, again, I am not Mr. Knowledgeable on all things presidential, 
But I'm sure if good old Joe was just sort of like, oh, fuck, it's a Saturday. I really want to go to the beach. Uh, no, don't get Kamala Harris. Hey, Donald, how you doing, mate? Uh, <laughs> pop over to the White House. You've got, you can do whatever the fuck you want for the next 12 hours. I'm just going to bugger off and do my own Joe thing. Like, if you'd rather work on Capitol Hill, it's available. <laughs> I don't like. I get it. The the, the line of secession here, like they has an appointed a vice president, but the Speaker of the House is third in line. So who's the spe- where's Nancy Pelosi right now? Like, I mean, she should be here popping up, going, "Hi, everyone, I'm Nancy Pelosi." Oh, this should it should be a room fuller than the ones who tried to overthrow Palmer over Skype. I mean, this is like ultimate crisis i just i'm thinking of the political ramifications like i'm not even thinking about next season with what logan does Mm. right now joe biden something like big happened and he just he couldn't do it right so he calls up donald trump it's like hey going donald come on over i need your help he buggers off donald trump invades a sovereign territories consulate where somebody dies let's say that country might be china and then he goes, oopsie, my bad. And then buggers off back to you, Joe. That would be World War Three started right there. Like that is a yeah. massive fuck up. Democrats are not getting in the next election. Donald Trump, like, fucking libertarians are in next election. Like there's such fuck ups going on there in the government. Like I love this plot. Like it's a great episode. But like, can we just think about the fact that a Republican handed over the reins to a Democrat who then invades foreign soil on their own country, gives the go-ahead, um, and everyone's fine with it. <laughs> that gets glossed under the yeah. rug. Oh, well, he's writing his memoirs in about four episodes of time, so that's okay, lol. Yeah, and I, I know I brought this up last week, but, like, the, the Cuban Missile Crisis, I mean, it was every all, all hands on deck. It is everybody locked in this room until yeah. this is over. I mean, that's, I guarantee that was, like, during A 9-11. A bomb is about to go yeah, any this second, is, and they've got this, two guys. This way surpasses 9-11 or the Cuban Missile Crisis. I mean, this is like World War II war room scenario here. Uh, and we know Palmer's awake. He's dressed already. Where is everybody else? Are they in their pajamas? Uh, but but what really bothers me here, and, and this is more from, again, armchair writing this episode, you have Logan, you have this you know really uh, shaky president who's unsure of himself and lacking confidence. He's a buffoon at times. And he's calling in help. And this is the only help he can get. Fine. This is his advisor. Have Logan in the room still. Yeah. And then you, it actually adds even more to these scenes because you have Palmer saying, I need you to trust me, Logan. No, no, but, 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 hey, you called me for a reason. And then Logan is like, my God, I'm the one who's going to be taking the fall for this. You kind of like, do uh-huh. get that. You will get that. Like you, that does like, come about eventually. But, but like first day first yeah. hour yeah logan should not be like off to write my speech guys <laughs> like, doesn't really i've make had sense. a hard three hours as president i'm going yeah, to bed exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hardest job my- but yeah like again it's a tv show plot's got a plot like we went through this in season two but like you're right like this is a war room i mean again this is the the darkest day in american history a freaking nuclear power plant's gone edgar's mum's dead air force one's been shot down like all the things that happened, the Secretary of Defense was kidnapped. Like, all these things that have happened. And again, you're right. Like, we lived through this in 9-11. We saw what this was like. Mm-hmm. And I'm not to try to diminish 9-11 because that's apparently what we do on the Oz Network. But, like, that was just a couple of planes in a building. This wasn't a nuclear fucking bomb. If right now we yeah. were aware in the U.S. a nuclear bomb was rogue and could go off at 
any second, they would be locking every fucking city down. Everyone would be panicked. Remember that one uh, several years ago, and I think it got a lot famous because Jim Carrey like wrote about it, about the fact that there was a missile that was going to go to Honolulu, and they got a fake message that basically said, there is a missile coming to Honolulu, find shelter, you've got like three hours. It was a, it was a false alarm that somehow, you know, every country's got those emergencies. Did this end in Jim Carrey being like, gotcha! No, no well, like Jim Carrey, because like the book the, the book tour that I was meant to go to in Vancouver, he wrote a book. And basically, a lot of that is around the fact that he was in Honolulu and he legitimately thought he was about to die because everybody in Honolulu got a text message saying, like, North Korea or somebody has launched a nuke. It is hitting Hawaii in the next couple of hours. Find shelter, otherwise you will die. It was some false alert that got accidentally sent out and everyone thought it was real. Look it up. I think they even made a movie about it, apparently. But anyway, so like if that happened right now in real life, again, we would be seeing the panic and everything. One of these seasons of American Horror Story, it opens up with this scenario that a nuclear bomb is about to destroy LA and everybody's going fucking right. And then it's kind of like a post-apocalyptic season. This should be way more better. Even just this episode, the way Palmer's just kind of like... Hmm, we got that video of Marwan and it's saying it could be imminent. When's uh, sunrise in the East Coast? Two hours. Hmm, okay. He calls him Mr. Uh, Premier of China or whatever. Francois Chow, uh, Oz Network's Francois Chow. How you doing? Uh, so about that phone call, we were trying our hard to... Why doesn't he literally say Mr. Secretary General to the Consulate of the Great Nation of China? We have intel that he's led to believe... Like, he's not the president. Who gives a shit if he's giving away secrets? Like... We have intel to believe that a nuclear bomb could go off within the next couple of hours. It is imperative we get that information immediately. We know China's not going to give it up because it's China and they're secretive. I understand that. But, like, the, this is a great episode, but we're picking apart. There's a lot of things on here. The point is, Logan's lazy. He fucks off. And Palmer fucks everything else up and causes an international incident, basically, right now. Yeah. And and let's also add to that. I mean, we're, we're talking about the, the scenario of there's a nuke on the loose. Now let's add that to a couple hours ago, the president in Air Force One was shot down. Exactly. And a a couple hours before that, the Secretary of Defense was kidnapped and held hostage on camera for all of America to see. Uh, This this surpasses anything that's ever happened before. Do you remember that it was towards the end of Bush's presidency in Iraq where that guy threw shoes at his head? The famous scene. That was like blanket coverage news and fucking Bush is up there laughing about it. He's having a grand old time. He's, you know, America's uncle. He's loving life. But that was like hugely, you know, somebody, you know, threatened the US president. I remember when they had APEC here in Australia in Sydney and famously this uh, Australian comedic uh, TV show breached all the security because they basically shut Sydney down because Bush was here. Like I think Putin might have been. I don't know if he's in APEC. Um, but like all the big leaders of the world was here. Simon Harper, whoever the Canadian president was, prime minister at the time. But like they breached security and they got within like a block of the presidential where George Bush was staying. And they could have been shot. Like this was global news. A comedy show breached security at APEC and got that close. If the US president has been shot down at Air Force One, we're watching nothing on TV or the internet for the next seven weeks. Like, it is blanket yeah. coverage. What's Joe doing? Has Joe farted, like, right now? And literally, there's a passing comment in this episode when Parman walks in. How's President Keeler? He's still in a coma. Lol, sucks to be him. If only I had won the election. Are you getting more things thrown at you all of a sudden? I don't know. Or- Are you going to throw that at me? What is it? Sure. I, I want sour cream. <laughs> yes, and hot sauce. No. Oh, Give right. me everything that's in the fridge. And Throw eyeballs. in those... Potatoes oh, too, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
but yeah, again, like plot's got a plot. I don't know where I was going with that point, but uh, you're well, right. Like it's it's it should be more like stuff going I'm, on. Here. And I'm trying to figure this out because it's not like in past seasons they didn't have this urgency of everybody's in the room. I mean, that was season two. I mean, they built entire sets just so they could have everybody there. Um, so I'm trying to think like it's not like this season was suffering from budget cuts. If anything, the budgets have been expanded in this season from what we've seen. The only thing I could really think of is that it, it may have just meant maybe if I can listen with the commentaries, I could hear it, but uh, it may just be they wanted it to be more personal because you do have Mike dealing with David and you're having, I guess, bringing David back and surround with a bunch of people kind of lessens his his importance. Yeah. So obviously there are reasons for it. Doesn't mean that it doesn't make sense to somebody who's trying to pick it apart. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but, it's not uh, the West Wing. Like if this is the West Wing or like an actual show yeah. built or like designated survivor, any of these shows like... When it's like the presidency is not the main plot point of 24. It's Jack Bauer. So, yeah. yeah. Like, and again, like and you would get the writers on, you get John Kazar on here, you get, you know, how Gordon, they would be explaining the same thing. Like, look, at the end of the day, we know this is not super realistic. We're not setting it out to be super realistic. Mm-hmm. We understand this makes no sense, but it's an entertainment product. It covers the bare minimum and we're talking about it and loving every second of it. But of course, we're going to be those dicks in the corner <laughs> who are like, oh, this makes no sense because we're presidential history buffs. Yeah, exactly. And let's at least find out where Walt is at this point. Because yeah, I think that Walt? Walt should be consulted if the presidency is about to be turned over to the other party. Like, is Walt okay with this? Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I can see why Walt's evil in a few episodes, maybe. I didn't explore that. It's um, his entire job to yeah. be telling him, don't turn it over to the Democrats right now. I've got to say, though, like, the, the bit between Mike and David when, like, you know, Mike sort of comes up to him and he's like, oh, like, look, I understand that, you know, y- you probably believe that I, you know, sort of went against him. Fucking yeah, Palmer's line. When he turns around yeah. and goes, it's not something I believe. It's a fact. Ooh. Yeah. Get some ice on that burn, Mike. Um, <laughs> oh, here we go. Yummo. Hi, Jamie. Go. Thank you. What have we got? What's for dinner? Yeah. Uh, Dur- it's like a stir fry. It's oh, like it's a, a stir fry. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, um. um, but yeah, like, I mean, that scene, it's cold. And then just like part of the way he's just kind of like, let's, uh, for now, let's be bygones, be bygones. And we can save this country. Cause I love his line when he says like, I don't doubt that you thought you had the country's best in, and like, that's the thing. Mike is not evil. I think everything yeah. that Mike has ever done as we've already talked about back in season two, he's doing it for what he believes is the greater good. And I mean, every terrorist in the planet says that, but like <laughs> Mike's not a terrorist, but it's still like, a, I just love that line from Palmer when he's just like, you know, it's not something I believe. It's a fact. Like, that's a Palmer fact. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> like, it's just burn. Sick burn, bro. That's amazing. Yeah. And I mean, I still maintain that I think that, you know, Mike maybe took a little bit too much heat for what happened in season two. I'm still slightly on team Mike for that. But that's why this scene works because you have Palmer making this a more personal thing. Palmer's reaction is essentially, it was personal. It was because you did it, Mike. It wasn't because of what you did. It was because it was you. Yeah. But then him saying, we have to set this aside. Um, I, I don't. I would love to also know if they knew for a fact they were going to revi- revisit this relationship between them. Because, I mean, Mike's been here longer than Palmer has, but they had to have known we're going to bring Palmer back at some point. Well, this is, yeah. But I also think as props to the writers that you couldn't not address this. Um, so I'm glad they do. You could have easily just flipped it under the rug. Hey, he's remember that time a couple of years ago. Oh, isn't it funny how we always meet around a nuclear bomb? Lol. Um, but yeah, 
Uh, I mean, it's a great scene. I think really with the Palmer stuff, like the rest of it, because um, Logan's not in this episode at all. I do love how like Palmer yeah. keeps calling him Logan. He doesn't call him the president. Like I know he's yeah. kind of in a room and not, you know, with the and president, but like I kind of like is, that. Is it, is it a rule that uh, ex-presidents are always referred to as Mr. President? Yeah. So um, okay. it, I think we mentioned a while back, uh, or I don't know, where we recorded it, that um, Barack Obama is coming to Australia at the mm-hmm. time of recording. And actually, remind me, we're going to talk about Marilyn Radcliffe as well. But, um, and then, so sort of you always see the communication around it. They always call it President Obama. Pre- yeah, it's like a, it's very American thing. It's kind of like, oh, we win the NBA. We're the world champions. Like they always, I think it's a respect thing. Like no matter yeah. what, they will always refer to President, you know, Donald Trump will always be President Trump, President Bush, President Clinton, all those sort of things. Do you know where I want to throw some criticism on Mike here, though? His gesture to David, very nice. You know, if it will make you feel more comfortable, I'll step down. Is Should his interest still be on Logan, though? Like, yeah. how is his benefit? Lo- you have, after this crisis is over, the most incompetent uh, and <laughs> poorly equipped president in history about to leave the country, and you're willing to step down. Like, at this point... Him offering to do that basically shows he has more loyalty towards Palmer than it does Logan. It's a nice moment, which, I, guess, I don't know whether that's intentional or not. It, it's you, you could look at that and say, like, well, pff, like he's terrible at his job. Or you could look at it and say, kind of interesting that even after everything that happened, he'd basically be willing to throw Logan under the bus at this moment if it makes Palmer more uncomfortable. We've all got feelings for our exes deep down. Come on. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever why had do you think, why do you think Ben's? Why do you think Ben still keeps Noah on the show? Exactly. Noah rocks up. You get your heart. You feel those little, you know, feelings you used to have. Like um, but yeah, I, I want to talk about Marilyn Ratchke before we get to the Jack stuff. But yeah, so basically all Palmer does this episode is on the phone to the Oz Network's Francois Chow, which again, I was trying to work out, is this the first time we've ever had three people in one episode that we've had on this show. But then I realized back in season one, Ooh. Janet, Jamie, Terry, were all on the same episode. So um, I'm thinking three's a maximum because obviously we've had Kim Raver, we've had uh, James Morrison, and we've had Francois Chow on the show. So um, uh, I guess John Kazar wasn't directly involved in this episode, but, you know, um, so just thinking if maybe we're going to have anybody in an episode. I don't even know if on Lost or Third, third Watch we would have had probably more than three in an episode nip tuck maybe if you're not counting your reunion episodes too right no not counting the reunion i mean yeah i think of third watch i mean easily uh you know kim raver michael yeah we had like six on one episode basically with you know half the main cast on the show so yeah if we cover popular could we get all of them at the same time i mean what are the odds on that joke but i reckon we'd have a good shot christopher gorham's kind of not really super famous anymore Oh, is he on that show? Yeah, he was the the main oh, guy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, he, he's the main guy on Covert Affairs. You need to watch uh, Popular. 24 like, Junior. It's like, I don't know. Oh, I'll watch it for him. He's amazing. I don't know if you ever watch Glee, but like, it's it, to me, it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's Glee without music, but darker. Um, mm. So, I mean, Leslie Bibb's probably too famous for us now. Um, the one, Leslie Grossman, the other Leslie that I always forget, she's kind of got a second win on Ryan Murphy's show. She's in like American Horror Story and, and she's done really well for herself. Um, the, the main sort of the jockey guy, Bryce Johnson, I think he was, in, he was in an episode of Nip Tuck, but I don't know what else he's gone on to be. The Bryce one Dallas Johnson, uh, <laughs> Bryce Dallas Howard. Um, the, the main girl was, uh, married to Melissa Etheridge. One of them, uh, was it Tamara Mello? I think, am I thinking of the right one? What, she was like, uh, no, Tammy Lynn Michaels, different one. Tammy Lynn Michaels was like with Melissa Etheridge for a long time. Um, so yeah, it's a great cast, and there's random people will pop up in that show, which who are now like really, really famous. 
Um, the Sarah Rue, she was in like a um, oh yeah, she's great sitcom for a while, wasn't she? Yeah, a couple of them. Yeah, uh, a great show. You got to watch it. Popular, fantastic. You sold me on Sarah Rue and Christopher Gorham. Yeah, and Leslie Bibb and 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 everyone else. Uh, we, um, you know, if I had known that, I would have invited you on when we did the Home Improvement Christmas episodes because. We were covering a Home Improvement Christmas episode and Leslie Bibb was on it. Oh. And I'm asking Rossi, I'm like, do you recognize her? I'm like, I recognize her. I don't know what from. Iron Man. Like, obviously, she was in Iron Man movies and everything, but it was like a very early role where um, she she was the new owner of Tim's mom's house. She, because she was in um, Tal- Talladega Nights as well. She kind of like had a bit of a period there where she was looking like she was going to be like the next big thing, but I think she's kind of faded away, hasn't she? She hasn't really. Yeah, well... She's she's not really a good dramatic actress, but no. she is very funny. Anytime you see her in anything comedy, it's like this is what you should be doing. She's, will, she's a Chris Hemsworth, a female Chris Hemsworth. She's she got. I will say she does a good job in popular because like I mean it's it's literally kind of like a Mean girl style, you know, clicks on either side and like there's a and like this is where you just see Ryan Murphy just really cut his teeth because there's literally a whole plot line about the fact that. All the popular people are blonde and all the unpopular people are brunettes. So in one episode, they're like, let's test this theory. So they all, the the unpopular people dye their hair blonde and the popular people dye their hair brunettes and everybody like all of a sudden like goes to the blonde people. Like, oh my God, you guys are so popular. It's like, my hair's just a different color. But we like you better. <laughs> um, it's just, oh, it's hilarious. Um, but yeah, Palmer's basically on the phone all the time to Francois Chow and he's just kind of like, hey, so you've got a bad guy in your concert can we have him oh i'll call the premier okay hangs up so about that uh phone call which can i just say personal experience working calling up people waiting for phone calls to come back i feel for palmer in this episode and i don't have like a world war about to happen uh so he's all basically like hmm this is awkward there's one man for the job jack go invade foreign territory for me please um and to which he's on the phone I, i do love his phone call with the deputy vice chairman of chinese consulate and that guy's like hamming it up big time. He's like, Mr. President, I bet it's a coincidence. So he's like Timothy Dalton. I'm like, I bet there was a character moment where you sent someone in. You'll be hearing from our lawyers. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I shouldn't really be tying this into the jacks up, but that's Palmer, right? Palmer, I mean, great, great Dennis Haysford yeah. episode. Yeah, I mean, th- this is why you brought him back. I, I just want to I want to blow your mind here, okay? Because I was looking through Leslie Bibb's filmography to see, like, were there any good dramatic things she was in? There is a TV show. It lasted one season that I watched because another 24 actor was on it that uh, the show was actually really good. And that's a show called Line of Fire, where she co-starred with Leslie Hope. Oh, there you go. Um, I've heard of, yeah, I've heard of that, actually. And just, I, I do, just looking at her Rolex now where you say that, I do remember she was in ER for a little bit and yeah, recurring role in that. That was straight after popular. And the, the, oh, she was in a very famous episode of Nip Tuck. Um, <laughs> spending more time in this episode talking about, of all people, Leslie Bibb. Well, <laughs> Dan, we, Dennis Haysbert. How many freaking Leslie's do we get confused in this show? Leslie Mann, Leslie Hope, <laughs> Leslie Bibb, Leslie Grossman, Leslie Nielsen. There's so many all famous Leslie's. Leslie's. The same. What did I, you know, there was, uh, actually, no, I better not go on that story. It's probably a bit inappropriate in 2023. Could have got away with it 10 years ago, but uh, that's after dark special. I'm teasing all the time. Um, before we move on to the Jack stuff, just got to mention at the time of recording this and releasing this, because this is one of those rare occasions where we're sort of recording this right on the release date. Uh, Mary Lynn Rashkov is coming to Sydney in a couple of days. There's some weird like well-being expo or something happening at Luna Park, which is kind of like a theme park underneath the Harbour Bridge. And they're doing like a stand-up comedy night 
And I think um, Jim Jeffries, I think, is the headline comedian. He's okay. He's, he's pretty funny. But uh, Marilyn Rajkup is second billing on this comedy night. Mm-hmm. Now, at the time of recording this, we're putting the request for an interview because when we've tried to get Marilyn on the show before, of course, we always put out the request. But I thought, like, perfect timing. We happened with Greg Sestro. Haven't heard back, sadly, so it uh, may or may not happen. And, like, I, I'm really tempted to go... But, like, I'm not trying to dig into this well-being and maybe this is going to cost an interview because they're going to listen to this episode and go, oh, well, they're bagging it out. But, like, it's a bit expensive for what it is. And, like, I mean, I pay, like, 40 bucks to say keep a subtle and sink for two hours. I'm not paying, like, a couple of hundred dollars to watch Mary Lynn Rashkin do, like, a probably a 15-minute stand-up set and then bugger off. Yeah. Like, I love Mary Lynn. Don't get me wrong. I love Chloe. But, like... I don't, I'm not that big of a Jim Jeffries fanboy and I'm not heard of the other comedians. So I was like, I'll be paying like come hundred bucks, watch 15 minutes of Marilyn stand up. Um, whereas I think I've got better value for money for Kiefer Sutherland. I'm just saying that right now in New York, but I don't know. Would, yeah. would you go out of your way to see Marilyn for that price for that short time? I think if I knew she was the headliner, I definitely would. And I, I'm not even that familiar with, I've seen her on talk shows, but I'm not like that familiar with her stand up or anything. Follow her social uh, media. She posts a lot of her routines up. She's not bad. Yeah, she's, she's pretty good. But, but uh, I mean, I, I just feel like we were joking about like the, the cost of Chloe versus Jack, but I think this just proves more than anything. Kiefer undervalues himself. <laughs> like, yeah. He should be charging this type of price and he'd probably get it. It's the Humankind Festival. Uh, March, I'm on, on Mary... Marilyn Rajkov's website is marylynmarylyn.com. Very original. And I'm looking <laughs> at her upcoming shows. So uh, Arlington, uh, we've just missed that, uh, in Virginia. Uh, Sydney, Australia, March 16th. I'm just seeing if maybe she was doing like a further tour. And then she just buggers off and goes back to Atlanta. So, um, I mean, I- I'm sorry, uh, Humankind Festival. You must have some money to pay back if you're flying her all the way out for a 15-minute set. That's why you're charging so much for your tickets. I, like, literally... For like an extra $100, I could go see Barack Obama talk. Now, yeah. <laughs> I, I think Barack Obama's tickets right. are ridiculously expensive as well. Don't get me wrong. But like, I'm sorry, Marilyn Rajkin, but I'm going to probably splurge a little bit more and go see a president of the United States speak probably for a couple of hours. And it's all him versus you doing a 15-minute one before I've got to you know, put up with Jim Jeffries. But but in all fairness, if Barack Obama had to kill somebody, he would be a lot harder to deal with than she is. I, <laughs> this this is a pro. <laughs> true. And I mean, you, you know, uh, I'm sure that um, you could literally have Marilyn Rashkov talk for two hours about how she handled the killing of Osama bin Laden or yeah. Barack Obama <laughs> performing 15 minutes of stand Barack Obama, good at stand-up. I'm just saying that right now. <laughs> uh, looking here, $199 for a ticket or I can get $800 platinum ticket. Uh, which for, I mean, for Mary Lynn or for Brock? Do I get the night with Mary oh, sorry, Lynn? Sorry, Mr. President. It's Mary Lynn. Like for eight hundred dollars, <laughs> I'm gonna get the night with her. Like I mean, that's a lot of money. <laughs> what do I? What access do you I get? You better be babysitting my kid if I'm paying her that much. I'm gonna be painting a house with her. Like eight hundred dollars <laughs> painting houses, with Mary Lynn. Uh, anyway, uh, go to the Human Wellbeing Festival, Humankind Sydney, and get your value for money for eight hundred fucking dollars. Now that we knocked it, time to plug it. <laughs> I uh, Marilyn interview probably happened this week. I mean, if they literally come to me like on the Thursday, oh, Guy Sebastian's going to be at this thing, Colin. Uh, Guy Sebastian, now I'm in. <laughs> That's worth eight hundred bucks. Uh, I mean, Jim Jeffries, Wim Hof, the Iceman, Matt Mullenweg, Runny Khan. Carisha, I've never heard of any of these people outside of Guy Sebastian, Marilyn Rashkam, and Jim Jeffries. What a festival. Um, <laughs> Ned Brockham, the. Uh, <laughs> please come How on. How did Noah Groves get on the list for this? <laughs> He's bike riding around Korea. <laughs> what, a, what, a, what a douche. 
Oh, I'm going to bike ride around Korea. He never listens to this show. I, I'll tell him to his face, but seriously, like, oh, I'm going to save the environment. I'm saying it in Airbnb. I want to get this off my chest because I'm angry because we're going to get to Jack. I'm saying it at Airbnb in Melbourne for the Grand Prix in a couple of weeks. I have to have a shower in a bucket because this asshole is all about the environment. <laughs> He's all like, oh, the trees are dying, so we need to save the water. So every time you have a shower, put it in a bucket and I'll go water the garden. Like, fuck off, mate. Like, I mean... I'm sure that, like, one shower is worth a bucket a day. Greta Thunberg is not giving a shit about that. Like, fuck off. I I lived like that until I think I was three or four years old. Yeah, but That's you how were we poor lived. and lived in Eric LaSalle. This guy oh, was no, in the, Melbourne. The, the, the diff- no, the difference is we weren't poor. My dad chose to live like that. Well, he spent two hours driving the city to his high-priced job. Um, and I'm saying I'm never going back to that. So, yeah, Forget the environment. <laughs> Waste your water. Come on. <laughs> I, like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not anti-environment. I'm not saying go burn down trees and everything along those lines. But I'm going to have like five times extra longer showers in the next three weeks. <laughs> yeah. So that my fucking bucket of water means jack shit. Just to piss you know, this you know, guy off. You know what we do to save water here? Jamie has a gym membership that costs her less per month than the water that us running the shower twice a day costs. <laughs> So she has a gym membership. She can work out of the gym and get extra value for her money. But every time she goes to the gym, that's when she showers. Hey. We save more on our water than we do with the gym membership. Clever. I like that thinking. There you go, Greta Thunberg. You're listening to this. You just got a little bit moist. You're welcome. Um, Jack, uh, he's going to find the Chinese agent. Um, so I, I do love the start of Jack being at CTU. And Jack's all like just chilling. And then I love, what's his name? Dr. Besser, star of this episode, Dr. Besser. Um, he's all like, ring, ring. Hey, you going, Jack? Uh, so you wanted me to, you know, tell you about Paul? Yeah, I've been asking for the last couple hours. Have you? Like, <laughs> you've literally asked Audrey like five times. Like, this is important for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He should have eliminate the middle woman here. And just go straight to the doctor. But he's just, you know, chilling around. And ba- So basically, how we get to this... <laughs> Man, this is looking more sinister to me now, now that at the end of the episode happens. So when he's calling Audrey, he's already talked to the doctor. So, uh, how's Polly doing any better? <laughs> <laughs> Which, can we just point out that, like, what, it was like two weeks ago. Oh, here's Jamie. You're going to shower, aren't you, Jamie? Um... <laughs> Paul, you stink. Um, but like the last couple of episodes, like Audrey's been on the phone to check, like Paul's not doing good. He's taking a turn for the worst. We see him laying up in bed, like reading a freaking Time magazine. Yeah. Like, I mean, overdramatic, yeah, Audrey. He, he is very okay right now. Like, this yeah. is him coming out of a coma or whatever after being paralyzed. Yeah, hi, Remy. Oh, here we go. Hi, Remy. Thank you for keeping the door closed, Jamie. Hi, Remy. Is this you would think it would be easier recording when everybody's awake and not just coming down. They no, always, you don't need to go on the treadmill either. I always love the treadmill. Like, Jesus. They just yeah, wanna... they love this treadmill. Jesus, you're not going to have fat kids. They're always <laughs> running around. You're the father of the year. Um, hey, Remy, go upstairs and you'll get another popsicle, okay? Yeah, throw more stuff at Daddy. Um, it's which, Jamie's problem to give it to him now. We should have. Is he wearing a bum bag? A fanny pack? Uh, well, no. Well, it, it's a running belt. Oh. Uh, like something to keep a water bottle in and stuff like that. But I guess this is tool belt today. So. <laughs> Improvement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Tim Allen's been cancelled, hasn't he, for flashing people? Or <laughs> yeah, but we're okay. Anderson cancelled. It's okay with that. But um, the other thing I should have mentioned, CTU. Yeah, like um, Audrey's going to go to Boston with Paul because you know she's in love with him. But I guess that will tie into it a little bit later on. What I now? Okay. I'm not abusive, said every yes. abuser ever. <laughs> I'm glad that we just cleared that up. 
Like, sorry, she she asked me to, to have this edited in later. Jamie, I just fell and hit my head on the Mr. Potato Head eyes. <laughs> I thought this was just like random 1034 time to declare that I'm not a rapist. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just, I mean, why not? Um, so, Jack, the, the, the whole plot here, so the, where Chloe killed the guy. Uh, sorry, just killed a man. She'd be singing freaking um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Isn't that Bohemian Rhapsody? Put a gun yep, against my head, pull the trigger, now he's dead. Come on, Club Mary Lynn singing at the human well-being. 800 bucks for you sing Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> I'm there. Um, so the, the guy that died, his computer has a chip that was related to the nuclear bomb, and this chip was put together by a Chinese national who they've done a few phone calls at two in the morning and they've found out that he's buggered off to the Chinese embassy. Bad Chinese man. But hey, we've got to piss off China. So Jack's all like, all right, well, let's go hang outside the embassy because that's what we do because we're men, 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 men. <laughs> Tying it into that. Which um, I've written it down somewhere. Yeah, Kurt- Curtis is on fire this week for his obvious nature. So um, they're there going like, oh, this Chinese national, he helped uh, put together the clip. To which Curtis literally replies, if he's helping build the bomb, he'll be able to find it. Thanks, Curtis. (laughs) (laughs) So glad. He's Chinese and the embassy he's at is Chinese. That means. (laughs) There may be a connection. (laughs) He's from China. What? (laughs) That's in Asia. It is the third largest country in the world. Their flag is red with yellow stars. They are definitely not white or black. <laughs> Their food is popular in this country. <laughs> the Americanized version, at least. Um, so I just love Jack. But um, so anyway, um, Jack, again, we also put out, we know this, I'm going on tangents, but going back to our point about this country is like on knife's edge. Air travel is grounded. Yeah. And so Audrey's all like, hey, I'm going to pull some strings and get you over to Boston quickly. Like, and yet it's just, yeah, obviously crisis point. So Jack buggers off to the embassy. He's all waiting for the green light. He's got his little, you know, binocular things zooming in, all that sort of stuff. And basically President Palmer, I do, the moment, let's be honest, the moment where Palmer and Jack are on the phone together, nice little moment. Again, on the grand scheme of things, they haven't talked in 20 episodes, so it's not really that big of a deal. But again, when you're watching this live, like this is a, you know, nice little moment. And the score kind of always, Sean Callery always has that sort of real like American theme under that, dun, 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 the 24 theme, which has got a real like American, like, yeah, fuck yeah, America, Palmer and Jack, yeah, America. Um, so they have a nice little moment. And so Jack's waiting. And then basically Palmer's all like, hmm, let's cause an international incident. You go in and we just won't tell anyone. Like, <laughs> <laughs> our little secret. Shh. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Like now, Pinky swear you'll keep it between us, friends. I like again. It's great for TV, and it's great for what we're gonna get. But like, honestly, mate, like, what? Like, you're not invading. Like, I don't know, Burkina Faso's embassy. This is China. Like, I mean, if there's one country you don't want to build, two, Russia and China. We're going to fuck this over in two seasons time when they literally recycle the same storyline when Jack invades the Russian embassy. Don't get me started on that bullshit. But like, literally, you don't want to piss off anyone. I would, you'd piss off Germany now. Germany are weak in 2005. They're not going to do nothing. England, we know them. French going to run away. At least every other country. the World Cup. Yeah, exactly. All right. Every other country on the planet. Canada, please don't even get me started. You guys would be like, oh, sorry. Yeah, we've got a terrorist. Here you go. Um, like, but China, Palmer, seriously, come on. 
Um, mm. But anyway, it's great for a story because now Jack's all like, okay, I'm going in and we're all going to wear balaclavas because that won't become a plot point in the next coming weeks that one of these might get removed soon because let's introduce some random white dude who we've not met before because he surely won't be important for the rest of this season. What's this agent's guy's name, this random guy that we've never met before? Bill. Bill. Number two. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, which, why, do, why don't we have your Canadian guy? Why isn't he here? He should, like, he's been in it all season. Why does he get shafted for random white dude? I mean, this may have been when he was filming Little House on the Prairie and they couldn't get him there. I saw him in a, a show recently, too. Or oh, Cameron Bancroft, the, uh, yeah, the Canadian, um, not, not, uh, uh, what's his name? Not Baker. Um, <laughs> anyways. <laughs> but White's uh, Daniel Day Kim. <laughs> It was. It's a show that we've talked about potentially covering if either I was finished watching it. I'm finally getting around to finishing Unreal. Oh yeah, you yeah, remember yeah. that show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's on like the the final season of Unreal. I didn't even recognize him because he's like gone gray now. But, I've not uh, even watched. I know. I think I've maybe is there three or four seasons of Unreal. There's four. So I've not seen the last two. I've only seen. Yeah, I knew there was like two that. Could, also, when, oh, it is good. Wow. Top Top Gun Maverick. Uh, what's his face? The douchey guy. The the oh Glenn Powell yeah he's in Scream Queens remember like because I want he is yeah. yeah I was like oh fuck yeah he's in Scream Queens so anyway um he's great on that Howard Byrne not Howard Stern Howard <laughs> Byrne gee they came they're probably sitting around how we call this guy they listen to Howard Stern in the background Howard Byrne sure uh, fill the burn with Howard Byrne uh, the actually this guy Robert Ciccini he's off stuff but um so this is the guy who should be your Canadian guy, but for whatever reason, he's buggered mm. off to Little House on the Prairie. So anyway, Jack's all like, I'm going in. And Curtis is like, but Jack, if you go in, you will be alone. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Curtis. Uh, to which Jack's all like, no, if you go in, you will get implicated in this. I'm Jack and I'm a man and you're not because you're Curtis and you're probably a man. Anyway, I'm not going to go on that. Point is, Jack goes in by himself. And we just get this epic, like, scene. Like, we talk about kind of, like, covert operations and just kind of the tension around COVID. <laughs> covert operations and, like, the score. He's like, Sean Callery's kind of almost got, like, a like a like an Asian sort of fusion with his score here because you kind of got that, like, I don't know, like, the, the standard Asian music, uh, oriental music. Is that correct terminology? Can we call it oriental music? But you know what I mean? You like, only live twice... <laughs> Like, it's kind of like, do, 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 do. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't go so cliche and use a gong or something like that, but like, he's just, yeah. like, he's got, you know what I mean? It's like that, that sort of real yeah. traditional Asian style music mixed with his like tense score. And you got Jack mm. walking around with a bell clubber. Gotta admit, why do the Chinese not have cameras that, you know, like sure. But like, basically Jack takes down a bunch of these uh, agents. I do love Tony here, which I love the, uh, was it a plot mistake here where basically Tony is seen shouting instructions to Jack when he's in the middle on the floor. He's going, Jack, turn left. And Michelle's like, what? Nothing. <laughs> After they say, keep this between us, nobody else can know. Did you, I, the, the actual, the way that the trivia phrased it sounds even funnier. Oh, read um, it, read it. Let's see if I can find it here. Uh, Tony talks very loudly several times <laughs> while he runs tactical during the raid on the Chinese consulate, though he is standing in the middle of the CTU main floor and the operation is supposedly covert. <laughs> Love that. Um, it reminds me of The Simpsons. It's like where, where Homer and Mr. Burns' son faking the kidnapping. It's like uh, they're found inside the theater. Apparently they could be heard inside talking loudly. <laughs> <laughs> I like that the best thing about this is Tony doesn't talk loud. Yeah. That, that's that's the whole problem with Tony him. Tony talking loud is just like three decibels. Like, it's like I'm talking this was loudly. Like, this was, 
Yeah, this is a practical joke on Brian Spicer that day. It's like, all right, all right, so I'm running a covert operation. Okay. All right, Jack, you want to take out the Chinese embassy? Go through the door on your right. What's one of the funny lines he says is like, he's like, oh, I've got the schematics of the building, which again, I'm sure the Chinese consulate is just on like freaking CTU Google. There it is. They're not secretive of all the Chinese. I'm so grateful that one of the secretive, you know, most well-kept nations on the planet just happened to have their schematics available for everybody to find. Um, I love how Tony's just sort of like, okay, here's the schematic. Can you put up the infrared? Sure. There's a lot of bodies. They must be sleeping. <laughs> it's like, it's <laughs> two in the morning. And then like, oh, they're all there. We, sh- we should have mentioned, so Palmer rings up and like Francois Chow answers. And if you don't know who Francois Chow is, um, we Lost. had him on the show to talk about Lost and we did mention a little bit about uh, his time on 24. So um, he's basically all like, yes, some guy did come here claiming he is innocent. We believe him. We're Chinese. I'm like, okay, sure. Uh, so they're trying to extract this guy. Uh, the guy is called, and I'm going to get his Lee correct Jong, name. Is it? Lee John, thank you. I did not want to create up a bibber or whatever <laughs> it was because <laughs> that would be bad. Um, uh, Lee Jong, yes. So um, he's there chilling around a room. So Jack mows down a bunch of people. <laughs> I, I, this is a serious episode and it's very tense, very strong. But is there something slightly funny about Jack doing a weekend at Bernie's carrying a guy through a Chinese console <laughs> yeah. over his shoulder? And I love it. We get on the, the communication. I've got him. Um, to, like this is full. This reminds me of No Time to Die. It's kind of almost like the the closing sequence. It's like a video game. Like Jack, your mission. You need to go in and you need to extract the mm. following person and you know evade the body. So it turns into a video game. See so old Jack weekend at Bernie's. Dun, 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 Karen old Lee Jong coming through there, and then pew pew pew. The Chinese agents are shooting people. You actually, the thing that I think is cool is you actually kind of, if you pay attention, you do see Lee Jong getting shot. Which it could have been yeah. so easy for them to just get him in the van. Oh my god, he's been hit. And you also actually see old Howard Stern here briefly remove his balaclava for like 0.5 of a second and put it on, which I always Ooh. thought like when we get that as a plot point in the coming weeks, I always thought you don't see that, but you do. You've got to pay attention to it. So uh, Curtis and Howard Stern have helped him getting in the van. The, there's a bit of a fight. The balaclava comes off. That's going to be very important. And then they bugger off. But in the meantime, oh, no, Francois Chow, he has been shot. He's going back to Dharma Station G. Uh, to to talk about that, he's got one arm, and that's in Lost. I'm not saying he's disabled in real life, but he he dies, and it's friendly fire. I do love the shot of that one Chinese guard who's kind of like, oh shit, I shot my boss. Um, so they off go speeding, off go speeding. Um, Ben English, good. Uh, so we've also got a translator in the car. Uh, he's all like dying. He's like, oh no, I don't want to talk. And she's like, he doesn't want to talk. And he's like, well, tell him he has to because he's bad. And ah, oh, I want immunity. Because, again, fucking immunity. That's all they give away. Like, God, yeah. CTU would be great at fucking Survivor. Um, <laughs> so, But, like, my biggest question here is, so Jack, like, rings up Palmer. Yeah, g'day. So we've got the guy. Bad news. He's just one of those assholes that wants immunity. All right, I'll bugger off and go get it to um, Logan. To which, you know, we get this scene between Palmer and Mike. Oh, shit, Francois Chow died. You know, if only he's going to be in Lost. And and then he's like, basically goes, oh, by the way, Mike, bugger off to Logan and get to sign the thing. And which Mike comes back five seconds later. So I've got the document signed. Where's that scene? I'm guessing it has to be a deleted scene because Logan's <laughs> like, he wouldn't give up a freaking, you, you know, the terrorist. And he was calling up the bloody, the lawyer people and all that sort of stuff before. Now he's just going to be like, oh, Chinese guy evil. Racist Logan, apparently. <laughs> uh, just signs a document. You know, the guy was white. Oh, we must protect him at all costs. Where, what, what country's from? Chinese. Terrorists. <laughs> sign it. Um, so, anyway, 
Um, so they're in the van. He's dying. He's going to give up the location of Marwan because he knows where Marwan is. But oh no, he's dying. He's dying. He's dying. Got to get back to the hospital. Um, so obviously I'll probably just pause before we get to the last scene. Um, action amazing. Jack amazing. So good. The tension. Uh, there's a mistake that we should mention that Palmer, when he rings up Jack and he's all like, hey, bad news, Francois Chow died. Um, <laughs> the character, if, he, if he's dead by the time <laughs> we release this, I didn't kill him. Um, Palmer says to Jack, Buchanan told me that you got Lee Jong in custody and that he was wounded. At this point, we haven't seen Buchanan yell at Tony, so we are led to believe it's a mistake. I'm going on a tangent here because we're going to get to the last scene. But the point is, I love this action. Lee Jong is dying. No, not Lee Jong. And um, Agent Howard Stern removed his mask, which are all very pivotal moments. And Curtis is there in the car going, Jack, he's dying. Um, So, Jack, somebody's driving this motor vehicle. The wheels are moving in a forward motion, which is making us move fast. But the important thing is he didn't touch his ear, so he he's still semi-professional. Actually, there's, there's, there's a, one thing a little random bit, which I don't, I don't know if it's scripted or it's just keep yourself on adding to the character of Jack, is I love that moment when he, like, takes a phone call from Palmer and he's still got the earpiece in. So, like, he answers yes! the phone... And then he goes, oh, damn it. And he takes the earpiece out before. Like, that's a cool little quirk from yeah. Keith Sutherland. Like, I've got I to imagine he made, did that. I made a note of that. I was just about to bring that up because it's like, that, that's not the type of thing you write in a script. That's like, I want to really show that like, oh, this is having to move fast and I don't know uh, what I'm doing. And yeah, he's he's answering the phone. And he's like, oh, I got the earpiece. And, that's clever. Yeah, like it's, and it's, again, it's, it's great. It's one of those points that like, maybe the most ardent fans are going to look in and go, well, that doesn't make sense. He's got an earpiece in. Like, why didn't they remove that? So like, that's just a little added mm-hmm. bit of detail which you don't need and again i'm not to take away from the writers of this episode if that was in the script great but to me that's more of an actor thing that's more of an actor yeah. sitting around a table read going like well this wouldn't make sense how about i add this and the director's going yeah Kiefer, yeah yeah you know um uh, smallville's maybe my favorite uh show of all time and there's a podcast that uh the guy played clark and lex have on there and they brought in john schneider who played the father on that uh like clark's father and he he talked about how the writers would always deliver these scripts and he'd be like, okay, so what am I doing in this scene? They're like, I don't know. You're, you, you're there and you have a conversation. He's like, okay, well, if I'm working on a farm, I'm going to be doing something. So he would always bring little details like that himself where he's like, if you want me to walk in this room, I'm going to be walking in because my hands are dirty and I'm going to the sink or something like that. You know? Like, yeah. Those are the details that really do matter that actors never get. And this isn't the first time we picked up on one of those things that Kiefer's done. Yeah. Just quickly before you talk about that, I actually, um, is that so Tom Welling hosts that with Michael. Rosen- yeah. Oh, Michael Rosenbaum. Yeah. That. Um, I watched, I love those series on YouTube. They have the variety where, you know, like an actor will sit down and go over their career. Kiefer did one. Pierce did one. Like, a bunch of people have done that. I recently watched Leslie the- Bibb. Leslie Bibb. <laughs> Christopher Gorham. Uh, yes. <laughs> I should have bagged him out. I like Christopher Gorham. I actually, he's great. Was um, what was he? He was in. He was in medical Ugly investi- He was in medical investigation. Oh, the 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 one that did a spin off uh, a crossover with Third Watch, and like I was tempted to watch it just because I'm pretty sure he was in that. I'm thinking of the right guy. I know I know he's he is an Ugly Betty because Ch- Jamie is like a huge Ugly Betty fan, yeah. and she tried to get me to watch it, and then she said that guy from Covert Affairs you like is on. I'm like, all right, I'll watch it with you. Yeah, Ugly Betty was. I mean, Grant Bowler was in that, so uh, Alan <laughs> Alan Dale was in it. I'm pretty sure he was, he was in Medical Investigation. He was like the geeky, you know, in the mid 2000s, you always had the, the geeky like tech person. He was that person. So uh, technically third watch connection there. Um, Where was I going with this? Uh, oh, yeah. I watched the Brian Cranston one of the variety ones. And like he's just like, amazing, Brian Cranston. But like he has an ability to when he's explaining his roles, 
of doing things like that. Like he says, like, oh, I brought this to the table. I added this. Like, wouldn't they have this? And I love hearing when actors do that. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they can kind of add to it. And I think that adds to a great actor. But anyway, Kiefer, all this yep. scene, what do you think? Yeah, and I mean, the, the scene with David over the phone. Now, I'm not even going to call him Palmer. He's just not even the president. He's just David now. David, uh, he's, lost even, he's even lost Palmer privileges. Uh, but uh, there's so many, like, you you could have this be one of the big Jack David Palmer scenes that we get always over the phone. But this one's almost like, it, it, there's things that don't have to be said, but then they still say it. Like, the fact that he's like, all right, so Jack, if you do this, I just want to let you know you're basically going to be a fugitive for life. And I just want Jack to be like, so we had this conversation last season and I still did it. Do you remember? And you're going to have this about another 300 times in this series. Don't worry. But what's great is that Palmer basically follows that line up with, if I were talking to anybody else, I wouldn't even question whether they would do it or not. He he doesn't even ask, do you want to do this? He goes, Jack, I'm just telling you, this is what's going to happen. Good luck. <laughs> he even says, go, like, good luck and Godspeed or something like that. <laughs> yeah. When he ends the conversations, that's just, that. that's the perfect evolution of the relationship where now he's like, Jack, I already know you're going to do it. Just do it. <laughs> um, and yeah, the, the embassy raid is a really good scene. Um, it, it, it's, it's very Casino Royale, which if you've seen Casino Royale, you, you kind of realize like, this is, this is a very relaxed embassy, you know, Casino Royale resulted in much bigger drama than what we get here. Um, they, they basically call for the head of one agent, not not the entire country, which really they should be. Uh, but yeah, th- th- this is one of the first moments is going to lead to everything down the road. And I kept trying to watch it. I- I'm glad that you picked, I-, I picked up on Lee Jong getting shot, but uh, the, the other guy, uh, Stern, taking off his mask or whatever, because uh, I wondered how far ahead they had planned with this scene. Now, you know, they weren't planning far enough ahead to say three, four seasons from now, we're still going to be playing off of this plot, but they knew this was going somewhere. So yeah. they obviously took a lot of care in, and also hiding this because it doesn't necessarily stand out. It, it, to me, this stands out the same as every other episode we've had, particularly this season where it's like, there's one guy that, that uh, is going to get us the information we need. We need to bring the suspect in. We just had it with uh, what's the name? Joe Prado or whatever. Uh, and, and then the guy even prior to that, there's always that one guy and, and the way this episode shot, it almost just leads you to believe this is just another one of these things. It'll be over and done with by the end of the hour. But you can see, again, that they took care and this is going to pay off later on. Um, really, outside of the action, yeah, the Jack touching his earpiece thing, uh, I think is great. You know, the, the translation, the van and everything, uh, that's another one of the little details. Like, they could have just said we got somebody over the phone, but they actually bothered to bring somebody as a translator, which if you're one of those people who are picking apart, why are there not more people in you know, Logan's presence in this one room, you're probably also picking apart, well, why would they trust something over a cell phone? So it's a nice detail that they actually have the uh, the translator there with them. But I mean, what this is going to lead to with the next scene, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I think you almost forget that he just stormed an embassy yeah. and that maybe there should be more repercussions because like the biggest repercussions are still to come here. And we get next week is the first episode of, of Cheng, who, again, you would argue is maybe the biggest overall villain in a weird way um which, yeah like he does at least three more seasons oh god yeah he's in he's in five yeah six definitely six. In six he's in nine um well he's at the end of eight isn't he and he's in i'm pretty sure he's at eight yeah is he he's definitely a nine i think i think at the end of eight yeah but um yeah i think you're right and how do you like i love the actor guy but like i'm seeing here you pronounce it Ma. 
Uh, or is I, I always thought it was like Zima. Yeah, so did I. But like according to this thing I'm reading, it's pronounced Timer. But like I mean, he was in Rush Hour. I mean, he wasn't he the dad mm-hmm. in the new Mulan movie. Um, like I mean, he's yeah, he's great. He's an, he's an amazing person. Uh, just quickly on Christopher Gorham. Uh, so he apparently is a bit of a voice actor in a lot of the uh, Justice League animated movies. That. So he plays a lot of Barry Allen Flash roles. So I could see him as a yeah, Flash. He's- yeah. Ezra Miller's out. He's going to come in. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's a bit old now. He's got a baby face, though, Christopher Gorham. So he's nearly 50. He also was... Wow. Well, he was the Wizard of Oz on Once Upon a Time. Oh, I, well, I who wasn't? remember that. Uh, <laughs> I probably would have watched it if I knew he was the Wizard of Oz. Did you watch it for Emily DeRaven? Robert Carlyle? Come on. Uh, <laughs> Every other person from Lost The Lost rejected. Actors Go to Die, as we've, <laughs> exactly. we've established. Um, this final scene, though. Wow. Um, so basically, we've got Jack... He's zooming in, um, <laughs> zooming in, just Jack. Meow, <laughs> I'm Jack. <sighs> Wait, uh, I hear something. What's that? <laughs> Jack. Oh, to quote. Stop the, the surgery. <laughs> to quote one of the worst lines in the history of 24 and season eight. That's Jack Bauer. Um, <laughs> it's Cooper. <laughs> Lee Jong is dying, but Paul also, we should have mentioned when Audrey's on the phone, like, hey, got your clearance. Um, He's dying. See you soon. <laughs> See you soon. No, you won't. You dying, Paul. So Paul's getting, you know, he's got blood around the uh, heart sack, which got to say, I'm no doctor, but like, I don't think shocking a heart, like fluid and electricity, not good combination. Was it in, um, in Lost World? Not good bedfellows. Uh, <laughs> like, I kind of think that's what's happening here. But anyway, so <laughs> Dr. Ben Besser, the, the star of this episode, is uh, working on Paul, and then all of a sudden in comes Jack. Hey, everyone, I've got a guy to save. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm Jack Bow, gotta save a guy. Uh, Lee John. Kill another. <laughs> so basically, Dr. Best, I mean, understaffed the CTU hospital, which I mean, because so convenient that this season they introduced the hospital, right? I mean, if this is yeah. season three, fucked. Um, Coming handy. So. Jack's all like, damn it, damn it. He says damn it twice in the car, by the way. We're up to 14 for the season. Uh, he's all like, hey, this guy's got information that's vital for national security. And Dr. Bess is like, well, sucks to be him. Audrey's husband's dying. Like, in a weird way, I kind of blame Dr. Bess for this. I realize Dr. Do No Harm, but I'm sure, like, his number one prerogative at CTU is to help save America. So, like, mm-hmm. even he surely would have to be like... Audrey, like, I'm sorry, like, Paul's great and all, but nuclear bomb, <laughs> Paul, and let's be honest, you'd rather fuck Jack, so, like, oh, well, sorry. But also, is there no, like, this is CTU, so uh, no place of business like this is going to have a need for, you know, a surgeon on staff all the time, but do they not have a second surgeon they can call in on, uh, like, he's not working 24 hours a day, you know, this is where you call well, in, people come work some OT. Like, I get having a medical facility at a government agency, but, like, I don't know. This kind of seems a bit OTT on the budget. Like, well, we've done so well in the last fiscal year. Let's hire a surgeon. Like, (laughs) and what's he doing? Like on a slow day at 24 at CTU, like no national security, sit around watching Netflix. Going forward, he's going to be doing the dailies. I mean, somebody's got to do it or the hourlies. Exactly. Understaffed. He's, he's out in the field. Like, Chloe, I know you're not a field agent, <laughs> but we need that drive from that terrorist computer. Okay, better not kill someone. I hope not a psychopath or anything. Anyway, I'm going to take away from this scene. So Jack's all like, Lee Jong needs help. Paul sucks. And he's like, no, I'm a doctor. I need to save this person first. So he pulls a gun out. Now, great scene. Epic scene. It really fucking is amazing, this scene. What's Jack's endgame here? You kill Dr. Besser, 
You're still up shit. Now yeah. you got two dead people. Like, I just want Dr. Besser. Like, if Dr. Besser had balls, this guy's a pussy. But, like, if he was like, what are you going to do? Shoot me? I'm the only doctor. Like, I mean, do it. Take at least 15 minutes for Frank to come down from Sunset, Sunset Strip. Like, you're screwed, buddy. Like, I mean, I'm writing you up. <laughs> oh, please don't kill me, Mr. Sir. <laughs> like, I guess that's the point. Like, he's a weak doctor. All doctors are weak, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> they make more money than I do. As what are ben they going to do? goes in for gallbladder <laughs> surgery tomorrow, maybe. Uh, bloody Listen, quack. I heard your episode. Now <laughs> count back from 10. I'd be happy because I'm like, oh, we're a listener. Um, <laughs> that's how I know we don't have listeners. I can call the Marilyn Radskip thing or whatever and I can go doctors whatever I'm still on air um so great scene points a gun so he starts saving uh Lee Jong and then freaking Kim Raver Jesus Christ I mean I know you're never gonna watch third watch but like this is very similar Bobby Cannavale rest in peace in the show not in real life uh when Bobby gets killed uh this is very reminiscent of kind of just the way she'd have I, I would give it still more to third watch that's because there's more of a silent aspect to that sequence when Bobby gets shot but amazing the way that Kim Ray was sort of handling this scene of like, Jack, you son of a bitch. Like, you know, he saved your life. What are you doing? And Audrey's like, I'm just doing my, uh, Jackson, I'm just doing my job. Um, get her out of here. Get her off me. Uh, <laughs> fuck off. Uh, so we need a line delivery. Like in, what is it? Mighty ducks Two, where it's like, what did you do? My job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going with, for God's sake, Dunker, I'm just God, God, I'm <laughs> you just killed my husband. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to cut his head off. Um, but I actually, well, I just want to jump ahead because I love it when like Audrey's like full on slapping Jack and fucking Doctor Bess is like, get her out of here. Why? Her husband yeah. just died. She's not doing anything. Doctor Bess is a dick. Um. So anyway, basically, this all leads to Paul dying because Doctor Bess is working on um on Lee Jong, and then Jack is trying to give Paul heart palpitations. Captain Obvious Curtis, Jack, he's dead. Um. Just, oh, God, the acting. What can you say here? Everybody in this room is just on fire. I'd love to be on set this yeah. day. Holy fuck balls. Uh, and just the music, the sort of, you got that dong, dong score that's going on there from Sean Collery. Um, that's his name. And then just Kim Raver just going off. And I'll read stuff in this book here because basically um, I'll get to it. But yeah, Kim Raver didn't want to slap Kim. So I keep was like, no, fucking slap me. Slap the shit out of me, Kim. Do it. Do it. Slap me. Um, do it. do it. And, oh, God. And then she gets taken out. Uh, <laughs> shot. <Jack. Yeah. laughs> Shut up, Audrey. Um, Time to join your husband, Audrey. <laughs> <laughs> Killed the younglings. I hate them. I hate all the women. <laughs> and the Audreys. And the Pauls, too. Um, and then she buggers off. And then I just love that line from, you know, Jack when he's just basically like, is he going to make it? Doctor, I'm doing the best I can. And then... Oh, I was kind of debating, does this deserve a silent clock? And I'm, I'm okay with it not having a silent clock because no disrespect to Paul, but he's not a silent clock. If Tony doesn't get a silent clock next season, then Paul yeah. definitely does not. Oh, you know, well, there, there's another reason Tony doesn't get it. But yeah. There are some definite misuses of the silent clock moving forward, but, uh, you know, this one would have been a 50-50 call. But, like, fucking hell. Like, I mean, again, on paper, Jack has to choose between the life of his girlfriend's ex-husband or a terrorist ends up making sure that and again what adds weight to this as we keep hearing from Audrey Paul saves Jack Jack's life so I mm-hmm. would love to think that this was the plan back when Jack saved Paul's life I would love to think that they went in with this a plan knowing that in the future Jack will have like Sophie's choice 
and have to decide. Yeah. And essentially, the guy who saved his life, he has to die. Because that just makes this even more powerful. And, I mean, saying this right now, this is top five, if not top moment of this season. It's just insane. how, And this could have been bad. This could have been badly acted. Mm-hmm. We're going to have moments in future seasons where they're bad because it just doesn't work. It could have been good, but it isn't. This is one of those moments where it could have easily been bad, over-the-top soap opera. But it's just insane. Anybody who ever thinks Kim Rave is a bad actor, fuck off. Watch this. Watch her in third watch in these death scenes. It's absolutely insane. Kiva Sutherland. Jesus fucking Christ. What a man. Um, everybody in this scene is incredible. This scene, I, I love it to bits. And I remember watching this live, just sitting there, just dumbfounded and just absolutely jaw aghast. Like, <gasps> like, what did they just do? But uh, definitely one of those 24 moments where you're like, where were you? Why did you hide? What a great episode. Mm-hmm. See, I'm I'm trying to think going forward from this point. There's a handful of 24 moments that have always stuck in my head. It doesn't matter. It could be years without watching the show. And you look back, you're like, oh, this was like one of the all-time great moments. And this is one of these ones like Chappelle's death, where the second you saw it, or the or the nuke going off in season two, or Terry, the second you saw it, you knew like like I've I've I i do not think I've ever seen anything like this before. Like this is the greatest television I've ever witnessed. And and you know that you'll remember it 10, 20 years later. Um all the other ones I could think of that are at this level going forward are probably much bigger moments than this because this on paper, like you said, it's not that big of a deal. Mm. Okay. Paul died. We knew him for 10 episodes out of the season. I think Um, he was the ex-husband. We haven't seen him in who knows how long we had one nice scene with him and now he's dead again. You know, uh, Audrey hates Jack, but we've kind of been building towards that anyways. Like, Everything was telegraphed that they were going to get here. Like with the whole, whole oh, you're going to uh, save my life. And oh, I owe you one, buddy. Um, there's nothing about this that really should work as well as it does. So, I mean, as much credit to the actors, give a ton of credit to Brian Spicer, too, because every other big moment that's going to come af- after this, you could think about that on paper and be like, well, this is going to be, this is this is where we're going to chappelle them. You know, <laughs> we should, you got chappelled again. Um, but this is the is, Who song? You just you might get chappelled you again. Won't get chappelled again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the uh, the theme for the uh, unaired CSI. Uh, I, I don't know Wyoming, uh, <laughs> Iowa, <laughs> CSI North Dakota. <laughs> Seeing a radiation trail off the back of this truck here. CSI uh, Winnipeg. Oh, we, we would have we we're the murder capital of Canada. You have some pretty good CSI here. Oh yeah, I believe that body is dead. Yeah. <laughs> Curtis would be great on CSI. Oh, brilliant. I can't believe he never did it. Um, but he probably did. I'm gonna look that up. I'm sure he probably did do it at one point there. Uh, I think I would hold this up there with Chappelle's, whereas because we talked about this with Chappelle's death too last season, that it shouldn't necessarily be one of those all-time great moments. It was just it was handled by every person involved so perfectly. Uh and I mean the lead up to this, the only thing that I thought of that could have made this better potentially would have been maybe if we saw something from Paul, and, and this is just an alternate idea, maybe it makes it better, maybe it makes it worse for some people, but if we saw an alternate side where, where Paul would have maybe had a little bit more resentment towards Jack, mm. where he'd been like, oh, yeah, oh, great, Jack, your boyfriend, you know, the guy who is probably I'm paralyzed for life because of him, or if you've been like, oh, you know, uh, I, I was happy to take a bullet for Jack. Well, Paul, you know you may be paralyzed for life. What? What? <laughs> like that, you need some type, even if it's not directed towards Jack, maybe some recognition from Paul. Cause you know, James Frain, an incredible actor, give us a moment where he's like, 
I, I, I might be I might be paralyzed for life. What am I gonna do? And then that maybe makes it a little bit more realistic when Audrey's like, I'm gonna go with you. But either way, Audrey going with him, it's kept it's kept in a way where it's not like I'm leaving Jack for you. It's like I feel like you need the support. You know that she's saying she's touching his hand, right? You know that she's saying I want to give it another shot, but then she's throwing it in there. I just feel like I owe it to you to be there to help you out, you know? Uh, so they keep it open one way or the other, but that kind of also disguises what's going to come. But this scene is just like, everything is so perfect in it. Uh, the dilemma, and, and you never see it coming. Even throughout the scene, you're like, wait, wait, what, are they going to do this? Are they, and I remember thinking that, are they going to kill Paul? And you shouldn't care about Paul that much, mm. but it's it's the consequences of knowing that you have spent the last, I don't know, six, seven, eight episodes having Jack feel like garbage for what he just did. So it's, it's, you know, that this is the one moment where, you know, Jack has no other choice. And I'll still say if Jack at least should have at least called up, you know, uh, Tony command or something like that and say, Tony, I need you to keep your voice down this time, but are you a hundred percent sure we have no other leads and this is the only guy, you know? Well, and like, cause Curtis is on the phone in the van going like, yeah, we're five minutes out. We need a gurney. Shouldn't who's the fucking admin in this hospital going like, well, yeah. Oh like, yeah. Right now is not a good time. Take them yeah. to freaking <laughs> County Paul General, three blocks around the corner. Like, yeah. Well, plus Jack has performed surgery on a man shot already this season himself in the back of a pawn shop. So I'm sure he could do something where, to keep him alive. Where's that um, ambulance person that diagnosed Megan with concussion at the beginning of season two? Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> we've seen miracles come through on 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 twenty four. Yeah. Um. No, I agree but, with all of that. And had you finished? Sorry, are you still more. Oh, to say? there's just a couple of things to add. One you mentioned with like the 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 defibrillator or whatever. I, I'm sure I've mentioned this before. You know, when I went through first aid training, the first thing they say is when they, they show you a defibrillator and what you're supposed to do, even with CPR, like everything you've ever seen in TV and movies is a lie. This does not start your heart, it does the opposite. So uh they do use it incorrectly here, but they kind of combine it because what they're doing with what a defibrillator is supposed to do is supposed to be if you have an irregular heartbeat, if your heartbeat is like all over the place you shock it so you could stop it completely and then you use cpr and and ch chest compressions so that you can restore manually That's restore scary. a regular heartbeat yeah but it's, it's it's literally the opposite so every time when they use this in a, a movie or tv show and somebody their heart stopped give them give them a shock it's like all right well you just did exactly what the heart just did on its own it literally will do nothing for them but uh that, that whole thing with the um fluid around the heart and everything uh, you're going to laugh at me, but Jamie and I are re-watching Downtown Abbey for the second time in the last year. <laughs> Can't go off on me for blue is... bloods if you watch Downton Abbey. Um, well, one's fancy British and one's not. There's the difference. Fancy New York. The Reagans are very regal in New York. Thank you very much. The first family of New York, the Reagans. <laughs> but but like this thing with like the fluid around the heart, you know, that is... it. Downton Abbey showed people a hundred years earlier sticking a needle in somebody's heart and basically pulling out the fluid and then the guy's like oh i'm okay i'm sure downtown abbey didn't get all the science 100 but I, i'm pretty sure what they described that they have to do is not something that you need every surgeon there for I'm, I'm i'm sure an orderly could have probably done this since when is there medical stuff happening in downtown abbey i thought it was just freaking english people with you know oh, fancy no, clothes and teacups there's there's a lot of uh, hospital stuff as well. It's, it's almost like it's kind of like ER. <laughs> <laughs> Fancy British. I, I think one day we just do a random. We're just doing nothing. Like, will you recap an episode of Blue Bloods and I'll recap an episode of Downton <laughs> <Yes>. Abbey? <laughs> Often compared. Um, <laughs> one more thing, just to add to the whole silent clock thing, because it's all. I, I wouldn't have been th thinking this when I watched it before, but this time especially, I, it wasn't like I thought there was a silent clock here. 
because you know that Paul's not the type of character they give that to, especially if you watch the rest of the series, you know when the silent clock's reserved. But to me, this just, it felt like a moment, not a character that needed a silent clock. It's not Paul's death that deserved a silent clock. It's basically the, the death of Jack's entire life that almost deserves a silent clock, you know? <laughs> I, so yeah. break your rule and give a silent clock because it would have made for a better ending. There's Look, I think the thing that I would probably make me that I'd be okay with it is that there's one moment that gets a silent clock in season seven, which just pisses me off. It's so fucking unwarranted and it's just bullshit. Like I get why they do it. But like it's just stupid, and I hate it. Um, but you also I hate talk, all of it. You talk about all those moments, but I mean, like, really moving forward, we're, we're we're running out of these. I mean, season five has, God, the first episode alone has two. Um, there's at least four or five like big moments in season five where you you're taken aback. Maybe I would argue two main ones, and they all involve Connie Britton. Um, uh, like probably <laughs> three main ones. Anyway, but then moving after season five. There's one in season six, none in season seven, um, maybe one in season eight. It's kind of a half and half. Um, and then after that, even season nine's kind of like shocking moment isn't like this whole like, because by that point, I think 24, like they're not really doing anything new. They sort of are recycling things. So this is one of the very last kind of real big, like, oh my God, I can't believe they did that moment. Mm. I think the last one we get will be season six. Um, when it was good in those opening four episodes. but um, And even then, that's kind of a recycled plot, but it's done in a different way. Anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm assuming your top five moment again, this is potentially probably oh, number one. If, if, this, if this wasn't going to be in our top five at the end of the season, then I would quit the show. <laughs> oh, good, <laughs> yes, I know how to get rid of you. <laughs> um, just quickly, I cannot see that Roger Cross has been in any season of uh, CSI, but... Here's a connection to another show. Off the Podium, great podcast. We had the legendary Apollo Anto Ono on uh, last year. Good. And we talked about him being in a little movie called Tasmanian Devils about base <laughs> jumpers who jumped into Tasmania and were eaten by giant Tasmanian devils. Also featured in that movie, Roger Cross. Uh, <laughs> how nice. have we not done this movie? It's about Tasmania in Tasmanian Devils with Roger Cross and Apollo Ono in it. Sells itself. Come on. Um, I'm going to Patreon at least. I want to read some of the things in the book because there's um, the whole bit here. So I'll actually read all this. Actress Kim Raver says this episode was a highlight of the season for her for a few reasons. When Kiefer and I have scenes, there is just such great, I don't know. Yeah. We all say that when we're with Kiefer. Don't worry. It's really special when you can do your homework as an actor and you walk in the door and you have someone as giving as Kiefer. Oh, he's a giving man. Uh, I didn't realize this is so uh, raunchy. He only charged you 40 bucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mary Lynn wanted 800. Uh, you know, you've got your homework to back you up, but then it becomes a whole other rich scene, especially working with directors like John Kazar. The three of us just love it. Threesomes. We just dive into the scenes, especially in episode 20, where Jack has to make the choice to save a lot of American lives or the life of my ex-husband. Doesn't even get a name. It's just ex-husband. Uh, just shooting. That was really amazing. All terrific. Where's the slapping bit? Um... Uh, Kiva had some very strong opinions and I had some very strong opinions. So did John. John didn't direct this episode though. Um, it was really great because we all voiced our instincts where and where it needed to go and how to get where I need to go. I said, my instincts are that I am just going to go after you. Kiva was like, yeah. But I said, I can't slap you. And Kiva was like, you're going to have to. Uh, I was really slapping him in that. On a personal level, it was really hard, but it was really physical and emotional. 
he did it over and over. It's funny because there was a point where we all realized we needed one more take and Kiefer was like, fuck, remember guys, you were slapping me. <laughs> Fucking Kiefer's loving it. Um, he's incredible that way because he knew it would work really well. Uh, I love hearing that. But the best bit about what's in the book this week, and again, to refresh people's memories, Official Companion, Seasons 3 and 4, Taratololo, 24, go and buy it. Additional intel. Kiefer Sutherland admitted that when he was filming the scene where he's climbing the Chinese concert wall, his gun fell out of his pocket and discharged, <laughs> shooting a blank into his butt. <laughs> Jack got... That is the most Kiefer Sutherland thing ever. <laughs> What's the one we got? James Morrison said it got on his foot. He got a broke foot. He got shot in the butt and he just kept going. Um, amazing. Shot in the butt. <laughs> but not the neck. In the butt. Um, other trivia... I do actually, so um, CTU, uh, 24 Wiki does say here that this episode caused a ripple effect that goes on. Um, we mentioned Sean Callery nominated for an Emmy. Uh, in an interview with Variety in 2016, writer Evan Katz said that this was his favorite episode. From I found four. that article here. Yeah, I found that um, article. I yeah. think we pulled it up one episode a long time ago. But Yeah, well, the the other, there's basically four of them, Evan Katz, Howard Gordon, Manny Cotto, and Robert Cochran, who go through each season what their favorite is. For this season, uh, Manny and Robert both picked the um, the campers, mm-hmm. uh, which was a great episode as well. And then Howard Gordon had picked the raid for when Heller was uh, still being uh, rescued. But yeah, this was Evan Katz's pick for best of the season. I do. I love reading <laughs> day seven. 24 reveals that it's possible to invade the White House by scuba diving underneath it. That sums up season seven right there. <laughs> Come on. Like, do you remember that storyline? No. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> That's season seven. I'm telling you now, season seven is worse than season six because literally, let's read that again, 24 reveals that it is possible to invade the White House by scuba diving underneath it. See, right. I, I, I've, I've seen season seven twice. I enjoyed it each time I watched it. But reading these, it, it does have me feel like, maybe you have to go in, you know, really willing to accept some of the absurdity because Evan Katz is good too. Uh, a favorite because I repeat, Tony Todd storms the White House. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Um, yeah, God. Um, anyway, um, buying this episode, Colin? Yeah, I think I could be persuaded to. Yeah. Yeah. You talked me into it. So. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what does Casper think about this episode? Where is the other? Oh, it's it's a winner. Oh, thank you, Casper. Where's um the the Fanani one? I I had that ready to go at some point, but I've I've lost. I'll just do it. Do it. Um. Oh no! <laughs> 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 yeah, that was the wet one. That, as that well. stir fry went straight through me. I apologize. I didn't mean to press that one. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm. Sad. Well, that was a button. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that was a button. Um, where are you ranking this? So I'm intrigued. Who? Um, this is gonna be very high on my list. Uh, this is actually right inside my top five. I have this ranked number five overall. Ooh. So the only ones that are higher than this for me are uh, the Chappelle death. Um, the last two episodes of season one, and then the last episode of season three. Ooh, there you go. Um, well, I kept saying this is the best episode of season four, and 
It is. I had uh, episode 16 at fourth on my list, but I now have episode 20 at fourth on my list. So I only have above this the first two episodes of season one, and uh, last two episodes, sorry, of season one and The Chappelle Death, uh, the only ones that I have above this. And I will just say, as a spoiler alert, because I like doing this, out of all 200 and what is it, 16 episodes of 24, this ends up overall on my list at number 11. So, spoiler alert, no season four episodes oh, make my top outside. 10. So, wow. Yeah. Oh, you also spoiled you're not going to rank any higher than this for the rest of the season. I well, I said just that. Up until well, I, I did say this is the best episode of season four. So, yeah, no, this oh, is... I thought you were just speaking uphill now. No, uh, definitely. And I would... Oh, it's all downhill from here. I'll give you a... Don't spo- even bother to listen. No season four in my top 10, but there is a season six episode in my top 10. <laughs> so... Just saying, no season Does seven. Does it also involve scuba diving and Tony Todd's storming the What is the house? highest season seven on my... The highest season seven episode on my list. I, I, I don't care if I'm spoiling this. No one's going to remember this. Highest season ep- seven episode on my list is 64. <laughs> what about season... Uh, well, What do you call it? Legacy. Legacy. Highest is 158. <laughs> Can't even crap the crack. The One episode in Legacy, I rent the rest I've been, and that that is the <laughs> lowest rent on my entire overall list is Legacy, and it's episode one of Legacy because there was some promise there. Um, but yeah, no Legacy, literally 158 is the highest. Season seven, the highest is yeah 64, and I will say every other season. Uh, so there's season one, season two doesn't make the top ten, season three does. Season four doesn't. Season five definitely does. Season six does. Seven doesn't. Eight does. Uh, and nine does. So there you go. Good yeah. job. I'm hosting this, aren't I? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing to, nothing to declare. Ben doesn't shut up and just keeps going on and on about him. <laughs> Wouldn't be an episode about that without Ben. Uh, this week in Ben, what am I doing? Um, next week. So we get a couple of interesting episodes. I will say, like, the end of this season is decent i think the um the penultimate episode is a very strong episode um i i'm saying this now the penultimate episode of 24 is better than the finale of this season at least um and you, you know 21 we're basically onto the last disc of the dvd box set and they're, they're fine uh it's not the strongest end to a season of 24 but it does its job so next week i'll read the synopsis CTU scrambles to forge an alibi when a Chinese representative produces evidence of American involvement in the raid on their consulate. Audrey gives Jack a blow. I mean, what a cold shoulder <laughs> while Palmer and Logan clash over the consequences of Palmer's decisions. Jack and Coda- Curtis closing on Marwan as a countdown for the nuclear missile launch moves ahead. Uh, have you watched it yet? No, not yet. I mean, there's no way you could follow up this episode. You need you need a breather after this episode. We're we're, we're very close. I will say is uh, might be next week. Is it uh, or is it the week after? Uh, we get the return of a uh, of a favorite from the first two seasons, who uh, is a big star of the final couple of episodes. Uh, and Milo's I'm, back already. I know. Um, when does she come back? Is it the four? no two weeks away? So uh, we're two weeks away from the return of somebody who may or may not be involved in a passenger list from the very first episode and may or may not want to shake hands with a president. So, yes. Oh, I'm hosting. Um, You're hosting, uh, yes. (laughs) All our Oscar ones are out. Uh, Today, if you're listening, it's the day. 
Uh, we may have live reaction to being very happy or not happy over a certain person winning an Oscar. So that's why I like... By the way, props to Brenda Fraser, one way or the other. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we, we keep uh, making that a point that uh, if he doesn't win, we're going to be depressed in that first episode afterwards. And if, if you're listening to this going like, Ben, he didn't win today. Why aren't you depressed? Well, we recorded this beforehand. Uh, so, yeah, listen to that because that all of those episodes are good. And other than that, you mentioned we might have some reviews coming. I haven't seen yeah. anything. Shazam, I guess I'll see that. That'll be that'll be next week. Um, uh, I think that comes out oh, well, this a couple way. of days from now. Yeah, this week now. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be doing hopefully a solo review of Creed, which you probably have already heard, Creed 3 solo review. And then maybe Woody Harrelson in Champions, otherwise known as Are you the doing Coco and Bay? I want you to do Coco and Bay. Coco yeah, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for either you or Rocky to do oh, it. With we know me. Rocky's uh, going to say it. Anybody's going to watch it. Anything for Rocky, as we as we have established. Um, and Australia v Canada month is next month. Uh, so we'll return to a fully-fledged month then, which uh, we will be recording, I guess, soonish. We have to, I guess. Um, what do we want to start with? Do you want to start with Australia oh, or Canada? What did we start with last year. Oh fuck, we didn't. We haven't done it in like three years. So well, what did we do two years ago? I don't know. Uh, I think Trade Murray we did last, didn't we? So I'm assuming well, that was we the owed... first year. No, Trade Murray was the second year, wasn't it? No. Let's just pick one right now. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Um, that helps. What are your movies again? Uh, I've got Tomorrow When the War Began in Australia. Oh, I don't want to do whatever it is. Just don't make it Australia first. Um, do Tomorrow When the War Began. It's, it's, it's Let's a, do that. an Australian and then we'll attempt do... at a, bo- a blockbuster, like, you know, action movie, sort of. Yeah. And then we'll do Kids in the Hall after that and then move on to the other two. Cool. All right. Tomorrow, and I've read the book. I can talk about reading the book. You read Tomorrow the book. When the War Began. John Marsden. Great book, great book series. Uh, like, subscribe, do all the things at the end as you hear. And yes, this is the Oz Network. My name is Ben and not something I believe it's a fact. Sure. How's your son? Uh, my name is Colin and you don't work for Ben, you work for me. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah! If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon! That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. Wow! 
For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. <laughs>